Good morning, LOH Church family out there in the Tri-County area, wherever you are. And also, good morning, live stream, who are watching right now somewhere uh, in our country or maybe in another part of the world today. We welcome you to Lighthouse of Hope Church. And uh, before I get into this message, uh, I have two grandkids. I don't know if you know that or not, but I do, and they're very young, but they recognize my voice and so I want to say good morning to Graham and to Juju. This is Pacha speaking to you with his voice. And um, I am just so thankful that God has blessed my life in so many ways. Even in the midst of this crazy, challenging time that we are in, God, God has not been taken by surprise, and he has a plan. He always has had a plan. And the message of the cross shows us that God has always been and will always be faithful to his plan. This is week number two in our series, Shadows of the Cross. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes on this thought, from one father to another. There are places in the Old Testament that point to God's salvation, all the way back in Genesis where we're going to look today. There are places that point to the ultimate plan of God being fulfilled on Calvary's hill at the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. But once upon a time, there was a father by the name of Abraham who was walking with God, trusting God for everything in his life. God made promises to him, and every promise that God made to Abraham came true. God called Abraham his friend. And in their journey together, Abraham was about to learn something, something deep, something mysterious, something wondrous, not only about his own life and his own faith, but about his God. What we've come to know, looking back at this story, we've come to know that God, who was the God of Abraham, had a father heart as well. So this message is going to point to that moment in that relationship between Abraham and God where Abraham learned something that only a friend could learn from one father to another. Would you join me wherever you are? This is such an important time in our lives. We need the Lord to speak to us. And would you join me right now, whether you're in your living room, wherever you are, and just let's approach him and ask him, to really, really come near us, comfort us, speak to us. Would you join me? Father, we're going to hear about you today. We're going to hear about faith. We're going to hear about a gift, a sacrificial gift that was made. We're going to hear about a man that walked with you, who trusted you, who believed you. Lord, we're in a time where we need to be able to trust and we pray that you would once again in your kindness by the light that the Holy Spirit shines, Show us all that we can totally trust in you. We ask that your Holy Spirit would come and use me, that your Holy Spirit would minister in every room, in every home today, all around the world. And may Jesus be honored and glorified and the cross be lifted up. We pray it in his majesty, in his name, amen. 
The following passages are not New Testament passages. They're, I mean, they're New Testament passages, not Old Testament passages. Now, if I did this twice, I'd edit that and we'd do this better. Second uh, Hebrews 11 gives us a synopsis of this relationship that God had with Abraham and Abraham had with God. I want to take you to a couple of those places. Now, look, I know you're not here today in the sanctuary, but if you're with us, feel free to read these passages out loud, especially if someone that you wanted to be watching the live stream with you is still asleep, read it really loud. Read it really loud, all right? Here we go. Here is the synopsis of Abraham's faith with God. It says in verse 8, it was by faith that Abraham obeyed God when God called him to leave home and go to another land that he would give him as an inheritance. He went without knowing where he was going, and even when he reached the land God promised him, he lived there by faith. Always obedient trust with a promise given by God. That's what walking with God's all about. Obedient trust with a promise. Another promise to trust is seen later in verse 11. It was by faith that even Sarah, Abraham's wife, was able to have a child, though she was barren and was too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. And so a whole nation came from this one man who was as good as dead. Now, that's not a very good compliment, is it? I mean, when you get older, you, you might not look the way you did when you're 19 or 20 years old, but if you walk into a supermarket, you don't want anybody to go, hey, you look as good as dead. You don't want anybody to do that. But it says Abraham was as good as dead, but he still had a living faith in God, and God did miraculous things in his life. Now we're going to come to the one that we're going to focus on the most today. In the shadow of the cross, one father to another, the New Testament gives us an explanation of what's going on here in verse 17. Are you reading that loud with me? It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the one through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died... God was able to bring him back to life. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. Shadows of the cross. So, shadow of the cross is seen in this almost unbelievable moment. This three-day journey that follows God the Father, Abraham the faithful father, and the son of promise, Isaac. It's a shadow of the cross. And the shadow begins to be revealed in the beginning with a test. Here's the test, Genesis 22. The shadow of the cross all the way back in the first book of the Bible. Sometime later, after these moments of walking with God all these years, God tested Abram, Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. Test. In a father's heart, could there be any greater test? 
You know, Jesus appealed to something inherently known by fathers about their heart for their kids. And he made it a point of reference in his teaching about how we can trust our heavenly father. He said, you fathers know this. You offer your best provision and your best care for your kids. He also used the idea of a compassionate father when he was pulling at the heartstrings of the sinners to let them know that they could come to their senses and come home to God. And he used the picture of a father. There's something about the heart of a father. One father to another can learn some things about God. And here we are at this moment. God speaks to a father about that father's son. Now listen, much of the relationship between God and Abraham has been totally centered and focused upon Isaac. His birth was promised on a night when God and Abraham looked at the stars together. God came and paid him a personal visit. And after that, with two other men, and they were standing by a tree, and Abraham saw them, and they, Abraham went to them, and, and one, the Lord said, you know, I'm going to come back this time next year, and Sarah is going to have a son. Sarah is in the tent doing the dishes. She heard that, and she laughed to herself, and the Lord heard her laugh. And the Lord said, why did Sarah laugh? Sarah said, I didn't laugh. Oh, yes, you did laugh. Sarah, is anything too impossible with God? So when I come back at this time next year, you're going to have a son, and you're going to name him. You laughed. Itzhak means son of laughter. So God even had time in this journey with his friend to even bring some comedic relief to their unbelief. They called him laughter, son of laughter. In the test, God is saying, take the joy of your life. The one who brings you the laughter of your heart. And offer him up to me as a sacrifice on a mountain. Nacha is the Hebrew word for test. It means to prove. It means to reveal. It doesn't mean to tempt. God never tempts anyone to do evil of any kind. This is not a temptation. This is a test. To reveal something that couldn't be known any other way. About who? About Abraham, yes. But is that the only thing that's going to be revealed? Something that only a father could reveal from one father to another. This past week I was looking up quotes about fathers and sons and I found some that really touched my heart. One, one is this, when my father didn't have my hand, he had my back. I love this one. Don't wait to make your son a great man. Make him a great boy. Graham, you're a great boy. What a father means to his son growing up will become what a son means to his father growing old. The bond between father and son is deep. It's sacred. It was real with Abraham and Isaac. And God called him to obey Led him to a three-day walk. Three, there's that three, a shadow word, huh? A number. Between Isaac, Abraham, and that bond, this was a test. Now, 
Before you think God goes around asking people to do this, I want to tell you something about this story. What Abraham did was something completely unique in God's redemptive history, given for a specific purpose once and only once. There is no way God would ever direct someone to do something like this today. This is a test to prove something, to reveal something. God proved something. Abraham proved something. Verse 3 of chapter 22 is amazing to me. God says this to Abraham, and it says the very next morning, Abraham got up early. Got up early? He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son, laughter. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. On the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little farther. Listen, we will worship there. We will worship there, and then we will come right back. We will come I heard one man of God say it this way, Abraham loved the promises of God, but he loved the promiser more. I've come to believe over my years that somehow Abraham realized, even in the gut-wrenching mystery of this command from God, that God's faithfulness would somehow go beyond his ability to understand it. God would keep his promise secure, even beyond life, and if you had to walk through death. We're in the shadow of something eternal here. So, Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders. Wood on the shoulders of the son. While he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, imagine this being your son, Dad. Isaac turns to Dad and says, Father, yes, my son, we have the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? The Hebrew writer shows us that Abraham's faith is proved here. Abraham was reasoning that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life. The shadow of the cross reveals not only the test, it reveals the love for the Son. God said, Abraham, take your son, yes, Isaac, and whom you love so much. Now, stop with me. The Lord is pressing this point. See, we're in a test. A revelation is about to happen. He's pressing. Why? Is it a rub? Emotionless rub into Abraham's emotions? Or is it a revelation? Let me ask you, who else had a beloved son? Remember? Jesus of Nazareth comes up out of the water and the, the father's voice says, you are my beloved son. I am well pleased with you. Do you realize very 
soon after that, John the Baptist points to that beloved son and calls him the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. But we're way back, probably 1,500 years before that or longer, when we're in the shadow of the cross. And the shadow reveals a love for the Son. The shadow also reveals the sacrifice must be the Son. Sacrifice Him. Isaac turns to Abraham and says, Father, we have the fire, we have the wood, where is the lamb? And Abraham says, God will provide the lamb. So they arrive there. Abraham builds an altar. Hey, honestly, when we say we love God, (laughs) this is Mariah love God. Tortured yet faithful to God's commands to take the life of his son with his own hands. We see the wood, we see the altar, we see the knife, but this son Isaac could only go so far. Through his descendants, Isaac's descendants, a sinless one, a sinless son would be born to die. Isaac was not the one. The one would come through Isaac. And Isaac needed his sin taken away too. See, the test reveals that it's the son who has to be sacrificed. The shadow of the cross is becoming really defined here. See, this is a test revealed. And most people, and it's right, to focus on what Abraham had to be going through here. But this is a father and a father walking together. Two friends. And Yahweh is showing his friend his heart. See, the shadow reveals that God is the only one who can pay that price. Abraham said, God will provide a lamb. And they walked on together. Now what's interesting about this, that if you read this in the Old Testament, some people read this and go, wow, what kind of God is this? Let me tell you what kind of God this is. He's not like the gods of that time. That's what's unique about having the Old Testament history known. Because all of the people of the pagan world around, the Canaanite nations, the God that they worshipped, the gods they worshipped, Baal, Molech, they believed demanded human sacrifice. This is a unique story. People who are ignorant to understand the context go, what kind of God would tell you to give? That's the point. Our God is not like the pagans. God. He doesn't ask us to offer our children who we love for the sins of our soul. He does. This deep love. C.S. Lewis in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when Aslan describes it, he calls it deep magic. The Old Testament calls this kind of love loving kindness. The Hebrew word hesed means a a kindred family bond of loyalty that will not ever be broken. 
that family steps up for family, friend for friend, hesed, passed through the cross into the New Testament world where the Greeks spoke a word to describe this kind of love. The word in the Greek was agape. Paul uses it as the love of God. What is, what is the love of God like? It's, a, it's, a, it's God seeking the well-being of people other than himself, period. At all costs, at the highest cost. And what is so wonderful when you read the stories about Jesus is that he lived this kind of love without expecting anything in return, especially for those who were in the most desperate situations. We're in the shadow of that kind of love going up the hill to Mount Moriah. Let me go on. The shadow agape is revealed from one friend to another. Do you remember what Jesus said on the night he was betrayed? There's no greater love than this, that one lays down his life for his friends. Abraham had this kind of love for God, but he also had this kind of love for his son. And his God had this kind of love for Abraham, Isaac, and Isaac's descendant. And for me and you, Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. And at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, can you imagine the thunderous voice? Yes, here I am. Don't lay a hand on the boy. I'm not like Baal. I am not like Molech. Don't, don't hurt him in any way. For now I know you truly fear God. You've not withheld from me even your son, your only son. The shadow also reveals the ram that day, but a lamb to come. Remember Abraham on the way said God will provide a lamb? Verse 13, then, where is then? Here's where then is. Isaac is strapped down, willingly laying on the altar. They said he was probably a, a 14, 15-year-old young man. Willingly. I don't understand that. But let me ask you, do you understand the cross of Jesus Christ? And he's ready to do it. And here's the voice. Here's God tell him no and why. And then verse 13, then Abraham looked up and saw a ram, not a lamb, caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. Listen, my friends. There are times when God will call you, if you're a follower, if you're a friend, to give back into his hands even the things he has provided by promise. And when we do, it's going to be hard. And it's easy to forget this. While Abraham was on a three-day journey, and as he got to the last day, going up the hill, get that, going up the hill with the beloved son, what he didn't know was coming up the other side of the hill. 
was a ram that God was going to make get caught in a thicket. We only see the test side while God's providing the provision side. The deepest worship is on Mount Moriah. Calvary, the cross, must always be near our reach in all our worship in the church. While Abraham and Isaac are going up one side, the ram from God was walking up the other side. Listen, this is so important. While we're obeying, seemingly giving away treasured promises that, that, that we love and hold in the deepest level of loyalty we could ever know between friends, family, and God, God is bringing our provision up the other side. But the only place where you find it is when you're at the altar on Mount Moriah. For that's the only way the ram gets caught in the thorns. God doesn't promise to, to get all the rams that we need caught in the thorns. Don't let your provision escape. Don't be deceived from hell that tells you God won't ask for everything. Don't be deceived from pillow preachers who only focus on comforting scriptures. Instead of discipling me and you to go to the deep mysteries of friendship so God can illuminate his character to us. This nation, the church, is going to need to know God's miraculous provision. And it's promised. Oh, is it promised? Through the cross of Jesus Christ. But it's only experienced to those who live their Christian life on top of Mount Moriah. It's promised, but it's only experienced. Now listen, Jesus is right. Well, that sounded weird, right? He's always right. Jesus said that God in his mercy shines his sunshine on the righteous and the wicked, sends rain on the just and unjust. I'm not saying God won't care for people that don't care about him. We've watched that our whole lives long. We were in that club. But I am saying this, the guarantee of the promise is provided on the top of a mountain, not the mountain of self. That mountain is to be brought low. The mountain of God is the mountain we're to call people to come to in the last days. Abraham, verse 14, named the place Yahweh Yirah, Jehovah Jireh, we say. It means the Lord will provide. Where did he find this out? He found it out on the day of the exam. To this day, when, when Moses wrote this, when they've come out of Egypt, sometime between uh, Mount Sinai and Canaan land, Moses says, to that day, people still use that name in this proverb, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Listen, God is not required to make this name, Jehovah Jireh, manifest to a lukewarm, bypass the cross Christian life. He, he can. Oh, he's done it for me. Has he not done it for you? That's why we should spend the rest of our day on our knees. 
undeservedly so, he's been kind to us because he can't deny himself. But listen, he will swear on his own name to be Jehovah Jireh to those who build altars on Mount Moriah. Jehovah Jireh is always manifested on Mount Moriah. You want Jehovah Jireh? It's in worship on Mount Moriah. Hear the word God gave Abraham, church. Hear the word America. This is only for those in covenant with the living God. Here's what God said to Abraham. I swear my word to you. Because you have gone through with this and have not refused to give me your son, your dear, dear son, I'll bless you. Oh, how I'll bless you. And I'll make sure that your children flourish. This is God. Like stars in the sky. I'm reading the message. And your descendants will defeat their enemies. All nations on earth will find themselves blessed through your descendants because you obeyed me. Friend, in the deepest tests of our faith, going up aside where we feel like God's asking for too much, little do we know how much God is willing to give us. Listen. God will provide what Abraham's children need. And I love this promise about the kids, don't you? L-O-H, don't you? I love there's a promise in there about my kids and your kids. For Mariah kids. It's more than a promise about financial prosperity or security, although there is that in there for Mariah Christians. But there's a promise about a flourishing family, regardless of what our financial life is like. I'll make sure that your children flourish, God said, like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the beaches, and your descendants will defeat their enemies. You can't defeat a man on the altar. Our kids walking with Jehovah Jireh. May it be said of them what C.S. Lewis said about kids who were raised up by great fathers. An almost perfect relationship with their father was the earthly root of all their wisdom. I believe there's a coming great move of God upon our young adults, our teens, and our children. I don't mean about this just the church. I mean around the world. Timely in this moment. Timely right now in America. Timely right now in Italy. Timely right now in Europe. Timely right now in Russia. Timely right now in China. Timely right now all around the world. Timely. God is trying to say, come up here with me. Bring everything. Come up on the mountain with me. Because on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. To this day, wouldn't it be great? To this day, people would be saying, hey, on the mountain of the Lord, it's provided. Finally, that promise comes out of the shadows in the shadow of the cross. On the day of the cross, when Jesus hung, it got dark. Now think of God's Isaac. Think of God's Isaac, friend. Think of God's Isaac, 
Not calling him father on the cross, but saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? I could never imagine. I could not face my son looking at me, my grandson looking at me, my granddaughter looking at me and saying, Pacha, why did you forsake me? I don't ever want to know that look. I don't ever want to feel that feel. And see, long time ago, a friend named God with a friend named Abraham went on a journey to reveal God loved Abraham so much that he wanted him to feel his heart in this plan of redemption. This is a heart salvation. It's not a theological, dry, concrete, book-learning salvation. It's from one father to another, friend to friend, loyalty of loyalties, deep magic. The promise comes out of the shadows in the shadow of the cross. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham and you are his heirs. And God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. God is shining a light out for us, America. You might say like uh, the Bob Dylan song, there must be some way out of here, said the joker to the thief. There must be some relief. The hour's getting late. It's like we're walking through the cities of a plague. There is a way out of here. And there's a way through here. It's in the shadow of the cross. The cross of Jesus Christ. Peter said it this way, and this was straight. Save yourself from this wicked and perverted generation. There's only one promised son given to the whole wide world to be an anchor through the times of this storm. Jesus, the lamb slain for you from the foundation of the world and me. But if you're watching this right now, it hasn't, the clock, I'm watching it, it hasn't even struck 10 a.m. Here in Eastern Standard Time in the United States of America, LOH friends who would normally be sitting in this room and you're sitting in your living room, you're watching, you're listening on your, on your, uh, on your headset or you're uh, in your car and you're YouTubing this later or whatever and you're downloading this, you're watching this, wherever you're watching this. But listen, the clock hasn't even hit 10 a.m. yet, but I want to tell you this, that right now, right now, right now, God has stopped your time. And the whole world, he's stopped the whole world. And he's saying, look to the cross. Just as Moses lifted up that serpent on a pole, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who looks to him and believes him will be healed and have eternal life. We have to go to Mount Moriah. You can't hold anything back or it won't work. To give all that you are for all that he is, that's the gospel according to Jesus. To give all that you are for all that he is. That is the gospel according to Jesus. That's not a bad deal, no. He gave everything. He stopped Abraham. He gave his son. And by faith, in that promise, in the death of Jesus, in the resurrection of the beloved son of God, who only he can save. God revealed his father heart to his deep trusted friend 
And I'm revealing that heart by the Holy Spirit to my friends today. Entrust your heart to a God who gave his son for you because of loyal love. Would you pray with me? Christian friends watching, my friends, my love, loved ones, uh, LOH family, let's get on our knees again. We don't know what this week's going to be. We don't know what we're going to hear this afternoon. We don't know uh, what's going on. What's coming around the bend? Everybody's praying, believing. I'm believing for good things. I'm believing for miracles. I'm believing for God to do. We don't know the time frame. Things are very uncertain. But God is listening. Hey, there's anything else to do. God shut time down. He shut it all down. He's like, listening. When we get on our knees in humility, up on a mountain called Moriah, and say, Yes, Lord, here I am. You might feel like you're far away from God. He's never been far away from you. Never been, never, never, never. He was planning this moment for you way back then on Mount Moriah. And you can just turn to Jesus. All that you are, good, bad, ugly. Jesus, pray it just like this. Jesus, I'm a sinner. I've lived at the top of the mountain. I'm king of the mountain. In my own mind, I'm a, I've deceived myself. I want to come down off that mountain. I want you to flatten it. I want to come up to your mountain. Follow your voice to the top, to the altar. And in the shadow of the cross, confess that I need a savior. I need a new life. I need forgiveness. I need mercy. I need a God who will watch over me and my kids and their descendants and defeat the enemies of my soul. Please forgive me. You wonder if he will? A thief that day said something even less wordy than that. Remember me, Jesus. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's how easy it is. He made it. He paid it. Church, my brothers, my sisters, I'm the worst of all. I'm the I mean, Daniel said, I'm the big sinner, and he prayed for God to heal their land. I think, how could anybody say that when I, they don't know me? You probably feel that way about you, but you know what? God is moved at the hearts that are contrite before him. Let's pray a prayer before we turn it over. Lord, we pray for our president and their team. We pray for our governors. We pray for Governor Hogan. We pray for the governor of Pennsylvania, with the governor, governor of West Virginia. We pray for our local officials. We pray for people who are scared and fearful, uncertain. We don't know what's around the bend. We're all in this together. We need a peace that's beyond what the world can offer. We need a, pa- a peace that Sean said comes from Jesus as a gift. We ask for that peace today, and we join our hearts together, and we pray that you would, that you would remove this disease, this virus from the face of the earth and bring great glory to the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Give us wisdom. We want to continue to meet together. We want to continue to communicate together in creative ways. And we know that you'll make a way regardless of what happens so we can stay together. Church, stay together. We love you. We bless you. We'll see you again. 
next week. And we'll communicate with you sooner than that. God love you. God bless you.